This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. If an emergency management agency is tucked away under, you know, either fire or um, law, then you're right. The focus becomes those two things. And so if the emergency management department is actually a standalone separate, they're more objective. Hi, welcome to EAM Weekly, your emergency management podcast. And this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. And today we're talking to Mona Curry from... LA City Emergency Management. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Mona in is because big city EM is challenging in many different ways compared to, say, a small city, right? <laughs> it just sounds that just between, you know, small and big, right? But there's also the diversity in the people, the population, and diversity in the types of emergencies that you're going to face. LA City is the second largest city in the nation, uh, right behind uh, New York City. And some of the challenges that Los Angeles City has isn't just the urbanization population specifically, it's also wildland interface, wildland fires. It's a sprawled out city. There's a mountain range in between uh, one side of the city and the other. So there's a lot of challenges associated with LA. And I think you're going to have uh, a new appreciation and a new in, uh, outlook into what it is to be an EM in a large city. So Mona, welcome to EM Weekly. Thank you, Todd. I'm happy to be speaking with you today. So Mona, you're you're in emergency management in one of the largest cities in the in the country. Um, how did you get involved in in emergency management, and how did you end up in Los Angeles? Well, you know, it's my story is probably similar to um, other emergency managers' stories in that I didn't plan to be an emergency manager. You know, I fell into it. Um, my my degree is in political science. So I I had the idea that I would be working for government. Um, I just didn't know it would, it would be in this capacity. So I started out in 1993 um, working for the Department of Recreation and Parks. And my first assignment was at the Northridge Recreation Center. And as you know, 1994, we have the Northridge earthquake. So I'm a brand new city employee and I'm experiencing sheltering, uh, non-traditional sheltering, sheltering outside, not, not in a facility. And that was kind of an eye-opener and that I think put me on the path to where I am today. One of the great things about working for a city the size of LA is that there's a lot of flexibility in being able to move around to different departments. So fast forward from 1993 to now, I've been in this, this department, the emergency management department for the city of LA for the last 12 years. Right. Um, and I'm in LA because uh, 
this is the, the city, um, you know, the second largest city in the nation. And, you know, we do have a lot of resources. We're resource rich. Of course, we don't have all the answers. As you can tell from <laughs> our, our homelessness problem, right. we really don't have all the answers. But um, I think the city actually, you know, uh, emergency preparedness wise, we've come a long way. I would love to find the, the city that has all the right answers because uh, I'd like to copy those, you know. Yes, yes, everyone around the country would, but uh, we're all in process, you know, it's, we're, you know, constantly striving to get better. So LA City is, you know, has Tommy Lee Jones, right? And and you get to go out and do whatever you want to do as an emergency manager? Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, we do partner with, uh, with some of our, uh, you know, local celebrities and we have in different capacities over the years, but... Um, it's it's definitely definitely interesting working for LA. So, so there's a couple of things I think is interesting with LA. One of is the is the resiliency uh, project that that you guys are working on, and the second thing is is just the the pure you know demographic size of of the physical size of LA and the demographics of LA and and trying to reach uh, different subsets of, of of groups of people, right? Um, so, what are some of the the biggest challenges of, of, of working in a big city and the big geographical size city and the big diversity as, as LA? Wow, you hit it on the nail. So LA is very sprawled out. Uh, you know, we're completely opposite from New York City. Wonderful folks over there. Um, but they're, they're in this compressed area. Uh, they have more people than we do. But we're spread out. So what we've done is we've divided the city into four bureaus with the Valley Bureau being the largest of the four because it's separated by those mountains, those Mulholland Mountains. And I think that the, the, uh, that side of it's got probably about half of the population in LA. The total population is somewhere around 4 million, you know, surging up during the workday when people come into work, maybe up to 7 million. But then on the west side, and then you have the central bureau, and then you have the south bureau. So we've kind of divided it up to make it a little bit more manageable. But there's no doubt that we are a melting pot. And we have some very, very, you know, wonderful communities in LA with a bunch of di different ethnic flavors. I mean, we've just, we've got it all here. LA is just a wonderful city, but it is a challenge uh, because of the size because of the number of people. And of course, um, the, the city of LA emergency management department is very tiny if you compare that to uh, the New York City uh, Office of Emergency Management. You know, they I'm, I'm not exactly sure how many people they have there, but I think they've got two or 300. So they're, they, you know, they're, they're definitely uh, far more advanced as they should be because, you know, they're leaders in the country. Now, one of the things I find interesting specifically about L.A. City is that and everybody always thinks about L.A. City as being what they see on TV of the urban setting, the the, the South Central or excuse me, South L.A. Uh, type of, of setting. It is also you have wildland um, urban interface areas. So wildland fires are still a concern for the city of Los Angeles. Obviously, the earthquake issues are, are concerns for the city of Los Angeles. The diversity in, in what you can respond to is a lot different than, say, 
DC or or New York City or Philadelphia. What are those challenges for you there to to really be that diverse in your planning? Well, we you know we take the all hazards approach because we have to. Uh, for example, my I live up in that urban interface wild uh, land interface. Sorry, tongue tied there. <laughs> I have had to evacuate twice myself, so I have actually firsthand knowledge of what that's all about. So that's up in, in the area that I'm in, kind of in the mountainous area. But yet you're right. We have um, we have flooding. We have debris flows. We have fires. You know, the Nor- Northridge earthquake was the last largest uh, earthquake we've had in the city of L.A. Those two recent earthquakes on July 4th and July 5th, those were 150 miles away from us, but we felt them. We didn't really have any impact. I think LAX lost the control tower for, I don't know, some very small period of time. But that was really about it. I mean, the damage was all up there. So we're we're facing it all. And another thing that we have that a lot of cities, um, you know, a lot of other jurisdictions may not have to the uh, extent that we do is these pre-planned events. Mm, right. You know, whether they're protests or whether they're uh, parade, championship parades. You know, we have a lot of sports teams here in LA with the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, you know. We've just got the gamut. So one other thing uh, that works in our favor is that, you know, we're active. So our skills are kept sharp. You know, we, we may not activate our EOC at the highest level for these incidents, but we do activate at the lower level. So we're always, you know, getting our practice in. And you would be surprised how many jurisdictions around the country you know, they have the facilities, but they, they, you know, of course, they activate when they need to, but we're activating all the time. Right. And that's important. I think one of the things that, that I really stress to people is that activate your EOC for, for any event that you have coming on. Think about the Rose Bowl Parade up in Pasadena. You know, they, they activate the county EOC for that because it's such a uh, you know, an event or the, even like the football games, um, the city of Pasadena activates their EOC. So those examples right there are, uh, are, are really important to do. And I know that you guys do them as well, specifically for, you know, the playoffs with the Lakers and then the, um, uh, now the Rams and, and then the, uh, <laughs> and then the, uh, obviously the, the Dodgers, right? It's all true. And you know what? I'm right there with you. I say to jurisdictions to, to activate, 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 practice, you know, any chance you can get. Now, sometimes there's budget constraints, you know, because these events might be in the evenings or the weekends and those jurisdictions may not have the ability to, um, you know, provide overtime for their employees. But if at all possible, you know, get ready so that things come naturally to you. You know, you, you're not, you're not stuttering, you, you know, you're right on it when right. you really need to be. How do you think we can get more uh, women and recognize more women in, in emergency management? Well, my job is I'm one of, uh, we'll say 10 emergency managers. Okay. There is a head of our department, but it, there is a lot of uh, unevenness within the field. So the field is still heavily male dominated. Um, And 
I think what all that we can do is encourage folks. We do have a local chapter of women in homeland security. I think they just had a big event this week. Uh, so we're on the we're rising up in my field, um, but we're still not where we need to be. So with emergency management, a lot of times it has been heavy response uh, orientated uh, professionals that are moving into emergency management. And now we're starting to see, again, the rise of the professional emergency manager where they're trained um, at, at the college or and or like you uh, who came up through the ranks through other city government agencies um, other than uh, police and fire and the coordination efforts to, to take a global look at what we do as emergency managers, I think is very important because I think sometimes when you're coming from the lights and sirens, uh, we get stuck in the idea of only response and or that specific agency, fire, as or, uh, or, or police. So I, I just like the idea of, of, the, of globalizing uh, people from all over the place. I think that we need to do more, not just uh, diversity such as, you know, uh, gender and or uh, race in emergency management. We also need more diversity as in where people are coming from um, in their roles in, in government. What do you think of that? Oh, I'm with you there because what happens is if an emergency management agency is tucked away under you know either fire or um, law, then you're right. The focus becomes those two things. And so if the emergency management department is actually a standalone separate, they're more objective. You know, the, the power to convene is, uh, is what's important about the, the emergency management department and convening, you know, all three um, sectors is important and not focusing just on one because you, you want to make sure that when you are responding to an incident, you're not biased, you're not stovepiping your thinking. You know, and that can happen. Mm -hmm. I've seen it happen a lot. And occasionally I've seen um, emergency management uh, functions tucked away under public works, too. And that's interesting as well. Yeah, there's a there's one agency or one city in Los Angeles County that has their emergency manager and their human resources department. So I always thought that was kind of interesting for sure. Right, right, right. And I think that that was the case in the uh, Sacramento. I think that that position was under the city manager's purview, which is also uh, quite interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mona, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, um, I want to talk a little bit more about planning for the uh, large scale um, uh, parties, uh, for lack of a better term. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Man, did you, uh, you went to the screening of Pull My Daisy? Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we connect people with the latest technology possible, whether it's mesh networking, augmented reality, or real-time translation, allowing people who need help to find help immediately. Better matters because lives matter. Welcome back from that quick break. And uh, just before we went out, we're going to like I said, we're going to talk about some planning for large-scale events such as your Super Bowls, your large-scale championships that, that that cities have. So, Mona, obviously the, the Lakers for a few years were back-to-back-to-back-to-back, were back to back to back to back, uh, you know, basketball champions, NBA. And along with that came back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back celebrations in the streets, not just the planned events, but the uh, the spontaneous people running out to, 
flip police cars and whatnot. How do you plan for an event like that? Well, our, you know what, we, we plan months in advance. Um, and going back to what you said about the Laker the championship parades, we haven't obviously had one of those in a long time. And that just breaks my heart. But I remember those used to be glorious parades. They were just wonderful seeing Kobe up there and Shaq. And, um, but going back to the planning part, we plan for months and we've actually gotten really good at it. So we know all the players, um, you know, we've, we've predetermined everything uh, we have uh, anticipated that you know sometimes when teams win people get overzealous and they're you know celebrating they and they do crazy things and then when they lose you know they're upset <laughs> so then they also do crazy things so either way you've got to have those contingency plans now most recently we did have a um a planned event, which was a uh, funeral uh, uh, for Nipsey Hussle. He was a beloved figure in Los Angeles. And um, that was, you know, we were doing our best to try to keep, um, keep that event peaceful. I'm not sure if you know about it or not. And the city of LA actually did a wonderful job with the whole approach to that because it could have went sideways. Um, but it's all about, you know, getting the feel for your community too. you know, having right. your finger on the pulse and really understanding, you know, trying to understand the sentiment of the crowd. And um, actually, I'm really proud of how our city handled that one. Uh, yeah. And, and of course, being in a major metropolitan area and also a major uh, media uh, center, uh, anything that happens in Los Angeles uh, pretty much gets covered uh, nationwide. Um, what's your relationship with the press? Well, we do have uh, two people that act as PIOs in, in our department, and we actually don't have an official position of PIO uh, within the emergency management department, but we have two people who do a really good job uh, at that function. And they convene these meetings, I believe they're quarterly with the media. So there's always a lot of planning. You know, our relationship with the media, I think, is very good. Um, they do a lot of uh, events together in partnership. Uh, so whenever we're activating or, or um, having an exercise, uh, you know, they're they're welcome to come and you know be escorted around. And but it's it's a good relationship. So we're you know we're not adversaries with the media. We're actually great partners, especially. Uh, one of the networks. That's great. Yeah, I always, you know, the, the idea of media and uh, being able to use them definitely as a partner instead of adversary is, is always important. So a couple years ago, um, Lucy Jones, uh, you know, writes about the idea of having uh, uh, resiliency within the uh, you know, large metropolitan areas and specifically uh, Los Angeles uh, city and county. And um, so now there's the, the Mayor's Office of Resiliency. How does emergency management integrate and or work with uh, that office? Well, we support their efforts. You know, resiliency is important to Los Angeles. Um, you know, helping people to understand that they are to take care of themselves too, at least for the first, you know, couple days after a catastrophic um, event is important. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, I just uh, posted something in, uh, in the online format called City Watch. And that whole article that I wrote was really about getting people to understand that while government does want to come in and help you as quickly as possible in that catastrophic uh, event, which LA has never had yet, Northridge was the biggest thing we've experienced. Um, and you know that was over 20 years ago. But in the case of a catastrophic event, you know, I'm really trying to hit home. People have to be able to take care of themselves. And so the concept around resiliency is really a priority in LA. And it is, and it's, it seems to be the, uh, I hate to use it as a buzzword right now, it seems to be the buzzword in, in, in emergency management, but it, it really is, it's been around for, the concepts have been around for since 1970, realistically, and and what it is to to be resilient, to bounce back from from that large scale event, and to get ahead of it by having the office of resiliency, I think is is a great move on this part of Los Angeles City. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's one thing though that I wanted to make sure that I I mentioned to you is uh, you know L.A. is a big city, and we've been able to really kind of avoid huge large scale. Um, acts of terrorism, uh, including incidents of, you know, mass shootings. We've had a, a few little ones. Well, I'm bringing all that up because I want to share with you that uh, city has just developed and should be rolling out within the next day or two, this run, hide, fight, la.org website where people can sign up to get run, hide, fight training. So that program started I think it was in 2014. And since then, we've trained over 200 people to go out and be trainers. And they have in turn trained over 40,000 people on how to survive an active shooter. And that's, that's a huge number because we have been working really hard. If you compare that to the overall number of 4 million people in LA, that's just a huge accomplishment. So the way we've done it, though, is not typical of the way it's done around the country. So not only do we have our sworn folks trained to deliver this training, but we have non-sworn. Mm. So in, with the combination of the two, you know, we've been able to reach that 40,000 goal. Sorry, do you guys add a, a treat component to that? Well, we do. We, we've incorporated Stop the Bleed. And that was something that was led by our uh, fire department, LAFD. You know, they said, you know what? It's it's a perfect and perfect partnership with the training you have. Uh, if you add the component of stop the bleed, of course, because we all remember what happened in Bo in the Boston Marathon. Right. You know, people were able to save lives just by stopping the, the bleeding out. So we have incorporated that and we teach that as a part. We're very proud to have that as a part of our training. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that uh, the Stop the Bleed program is going to make a difference and save lives for sure. Uh, and it's pretty easy to go through to, to do it. So if you guys have not gone through or seen the Stop the Bleed uh, program, you should, you should check it out for sure because uh, it, it's definitely uh, a program that you should integrate as Mona has done with the uh, LA City into your uh, uh, your your basically your your training program specifically with the active shooter type training. What are what are like say your three biggest challenges working in LA City? 
Well, the, the, I think uh, for me, in my view, the three biggest challenges, one would be working in a city this size. So our department is, you know, small. If you compare it with the amount of people that we are to um, try to prepare and uh, coordinate, you know, response to disasters for, uh, I think the department could be a little bit bigger. Um, and then, of course, there's the issue of, you know, the number of languages spoken in L.A. It's always hard to properly, you know, prepare for, you know, folks in, I don't know, 30 different languages. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I was about to ask you how many languages are spoken. 30 different languages. Actually, there's there's more than 30. I can't recall the exact number off the top of my head, but that was just to give you an example of it being a huge challenge. Right. Well, I'm sure there's more than 30, but there's probably like around those majors, right? Because I know it's funny because people don't realize that how many people speak uh, Russian um, in, in LA City, how many people is Spanish, Korean, Japanese, Tagalog, uh, Farsi, all the different types of different Chinese uh, dialects that are out there, you know? So, yeah, I mean, so think about trying to put, talk about mass, mass communication. How do you, how do you do that? How do you push that message out like that? Well, that's the thing right now. The messages don't go out in every single language. And of course those things are voluntary. So first of all, you have to break into that community and you have to get them to buy into, you know, the preparedness part or the signing up for notifications and then you have to make sure that you do that in return in their own languages and so it's definitely not an easy feat not in LA I really envy uh, jurisdictions that are you know that don't have these complexities you know I have no idea what it would be like to work in one of those jurisdictions <laughs> but <laughs> you know these are the challenges that we face in LA every day right Titan HST which is one of our is our sponsor um, they actually have a technology in their um, mass notification that, that will do real-time translation and I, I think that's a really cool um, uh, part of it because that way you just type it in you know one language and then and once it goes out it goes to the preferred language of the phone that the person is getting i think technology like that is is very important especially with like the 5g stuff that's coming up where it's going to be so fast that people are going to be able to get this information uh, quickly and and accurately well you do remind me that that new uh website that we're we're going to be rolling out any day now the runhidefightla.org Actually, once that rolls out, there'll be a little button on the top right corner where you can pick the language. So we're getting there. You know, we're making strides in making sure that we provide for all the diversity in L.A. And, and that website, I'm very proud of it because it does reach out in the different languages. All right, Mona, here comes the toughest question or one of the toughest questions of the day, some people say. What book, books, or publications do you recommend to somebody in the field of emergency management? Uh, well, you know, less so in the field, but I'm going to go with the book that turns everyone into a prepper. And I think you know what book that is. That's going to be one second after. Because even if, you, um, if you're in this field, after you read that book, I think that most people take it up a level. 
if you're not in the field and you read that book, I think that most people, you know, start turning in the direction of becoming preppers. Being a prepper is not a bad thing. It used to be kind of geeky to be a prepper, but (laughs) now it's cool. (laughs) Now it's a cool thing. And I've actually read uh, one year after and I'm in the middle of the the final day. Oh, cool. So, you know, one second after I think is probably the best, uh, you know, of the series. But that book, you know, once anyone reads it, and I've recommended it to, I don't know, at least 10 people. After they read that book, you know, the way it's written, it's like the light bulb goes off in their head. All All of a sudden, they're stocking up on supplies. You know, and it's just amazing to watch. My favorite part about that book, One Second After, especially for all the emergency managers out here, that they, he goes through the process of, of convening, uh, basically, it's a small town, if you haven't read the book yet, it's a small town that uh, is involved with uh, basically an EMP. Um, and uh, they convene the emergency operations center, They're, they have the policy group making decisions, and, and they go through that whole process of, of organizing and responding to this event. And I just liked the, that process. I think it was really, he did really a, a lot of research on that to, to make it as, as close to truthful as he could, right? Oh, he totally did. And, you know, I think also just the, the topic of the EMP, you know, there are a lot of people who still have no idea what that is. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, once once you start figuring out the implications of, you know, an EMP on, on your, in your area, you know, what, what does that mean? And, you know, people may not see immediate, you know, fatalities, but then they, they start to, you know, they start to pile up. Right. And so, yeah, it is just a great book. I love books that are written this way. You know, they're fiction, but they're based with the reality. They're just the best type of books to read. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you. All right, Mona, if you could say one thing, or a couple of things, to all the emergency managers in the world at one time, what would it be? Uh, I think it would be, you know, don't be envious of L.A. Because I know we're the second largest city in the nation. And it it appears that we have all the bells and whistles and the resources. Uh, But in actuality, you know, while we are advanced, we are not. You know, we don't have it all together. So in your jurisdictions, in your cities, wherever you are, you know, keep plugging away, keep pushing forward. And like everybody else would tell you, take every opportunity to continue to exercise, you know, your processes and your plans, uh, because that's really what gets you there is that practice. So when it when the real thing happens and you go to activate, you know, your anxiety is going to be lower because you're going to have a better idea of what's going on and what you should be doing. And that's really just the key. You know, we're all in the same boat, really. None, no one has enough resources to take care of everything. It just doesn't work that way. Well, Mona, thank you so much for your time this morning. And thank you, Todd. I really appreciated talking to you.